As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Wells Crowther, he was an equities trader and a volunteer fireman in New York City. He was located, his company was on the 107th floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. During 9-11, what happened is, we all remember that scene of the plane hitting the tower. He went down to the 78th floor, which was an atrium area. He began, it just clicked in. And his immediate response was not for himself, but for the other people around him. And so he began leading people from the 78th floor all the way down to safety to exit the building. He carried one woman on his back the entire time. After rescuing one group, he went up to rescue another. After rescuing that group, he went up to rescue another. Three times he went up and down the towers, if you can believe this, in a back staircase, filled with smoke, debris everywhere, and he rescued 18 people. On his last trip, the building collapsed. He had been using a red bandana that he had always carried with him. And so if you imagine, he had this red bandana and he put it around his face to shield him from the smoke and from the debris so that he could rescue these people. And he carried this red bandana ever since he was a little kid because he saw his dad doing it. As the building went down and he lost his life with the many, they didn't find him until six months later they found his body. As people the next day were talking about this guy with the red bandana. And the people he saved were like, this is the guy, he did this, he took us, he delivered us, if it wasn't for him. And then they said in the news, he had this red bandana. And that's when it clicked in for his mom. She's like, that's my son. Wells, you can see that red bandana in the 9-11 Museum. He is an unsung hero, would you not agree? He is, man, let's praise the Lord for his goodness and grace, for this unsung hero, for the many that we're praising today. If you have a Bible, do this. We're in a series called Unsung Heroes. Go ahead and open up to Numbers 25. Yes, I said that right. Numbers 25, don't know if you've been there recently. Old Testament, fourth book. We got a difficult passage in front of us today. We've been examining, if you're new with us, we're taking a look. I wanna thank all those joining us online. Let's give a big hand for them. Thanks for gathering all the place, here in the place, and those who are gathered from all over to be with us today. We're in a series examining men and women in the Old Testament, that their faith, it rippled through generations and they didn't wanna buy on the stage, they didn't want the spotlight but God used him in significant ways. Today, we got a guy named Phineas. There was two of them in the Bible. There's a good one, there's a bad one. We're looking at the good one. Just for clarity, it's not this Phineas. I just wanna make that clear. We're not talking about Phineas and Ferb. 
And now that we laughed a bit and it's funny and I remember my kids watching this and everything else and Phineas, so he's not like that in anything at all. Read this passage, it's a difficult one. We're gonna jump into it, but he's more like this. Let's put this picture on the screen because this is who he's like. This is Phineas the priest. He's the purifying priest and he's a little bit more like Braveheart. He's a little bit like that character. He's a little like Mel Gibson and that you're gonna see some things that a priest is gonna do that's gonna blow your mind. I ain't never seen a priest do any of that. But he's a man to be respected. He's a man to be loved. He's an unsung hero because of his stance for godliness in the midst of ungodliness. And I think although our reactions may not be exactly the same as you'll see in a moment, I think we can learn a lot from him. It's a good news, bad news message today. I'm gonna to start with the bad news. The bad news is this, for the note takers, go ahead and write this down. The bad news is ungodliness is prevalent in our society. Did I just surprise you by that statement? I don't think so. How many people will give me a hand raise and say, I think I understand what you're talking about. Hand raise? It's prevalent. It's running wild. It's, it's all over the place. And, and we have a tendency to think, this is the worst time that it's ever been. It, 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 it's not. So let's jump into Numbers 25. Hold on to your seats, man. Buckle your seat belts. This is going to be quite a passage. It says in verse 1, while Israel lived in Shittim. Now, Israel is the people of God. I said it was a bad news. That's not the bad news, although it sounds like it is. <laughs> Last joke, I had to get it out of the way because we're going to see a lot. It says this, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. So the Moabites were the people who didn't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the people of God who did believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who were supposed to be godly, they began to do some things they ought not do. I don't think I need that kind of, to explain what that means. But cover the kids' ears, this was not a good thing. We had orgies, we had child sacrifices. It, this is what these people were doing. And so that helps us to understand the intensity of the passage. Look what immorality does. Look with me at verse two. Immorality always leads to idolatry. These people, the Moabites, the daughters, invited the people to sacrifice to their gods, small g God, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. There it is, there's the idolatry. But before you think, hey, this doesn't relate to me, idolatry is often defined as this, we've used this before, it's anything that puts God second. Anything that puts him in second place is idolatry. That what? That you put yourself in first that you put your passions, your desires, what you want, not what God wants. That's what was happening here. And although this were a physical immorality, ours can be the same, that it doesn't always have to be a physical sin. There's all kinds of sins from the prides of our heart. And so look at verse three. So Israel, that's the people of God, they yoked themselves to Baal. And the end of verse 3, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. God wasn't happy with what they were doing. It's the first time we see Baal in the Bible. That's the God that these people were following after. And so this Baal, he was supposed to be the small g God 
who, if you can imagine this, was supposed to give victory to the people and lead the people away from evil. And he was doing the exact opposite. He was leading the people to evil. It's here. It's bad news. It's evil everywhere. I wonder if you've ever had anyone say to you, hey, why, why is there so much evil? And why is that? What's the problem? Hey, you, you Bible believer, what, 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 why is there a problem with evil? I can't believe in God because of evil. How can a God let this happen? This is God's people. Let me explain it as simply as I can why that there's evil in the world. Point to your neighbor and say, because of you. <laughs> now point to yourself and say, because of me, right? Isn't it true, us? It's, it's all of us. And God give us a free will. God give us the ability to choose. You can make the choice of whatever you want to do. And it's no more simple than that. That there's so many evil because there's so many people and people choose to do bad things. It it isn't that hard to figure out. I love what C.S. Lewis said, and he said it better than I could ever say it great philosopher, great theologian. If a thing is free to be good, it's also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will, though it makes us evil possible, it is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. Mic drop. Wow. More bad news. Great message today. Hope this isn't your first time. Sorry, I'm going to apologize. But it's going to get really bad. Like, like really bad. Because that's what ungodliness does. It takes us to the place we think we want to be, but we know we ought to be. And the consequences are often eternal. And so that's the next thing, is ungodliness has consequences. Now, in the present, our choices, if they're not the best choices... And forever, for too many people that I love and care for. That, that what? Ungodliness brings consequences. I mean, is, is that not what we see next? Answer, yes. And so look at the consequences. It's kind of hard to grab hold. And the Lord said to Moses, the leader, take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Hang them? That, that's what it said? It, yeah. It, it, it does say that. I want to draw your attention to who gets hanged. The chiefs. The people that were responsible. The people that were in authority. The people that were the leaders. Why? Well, leaders should bear the responsibility of the bad decisions that they allow the people to go in or the false teaching. David Koresh? I mean, all the false teachers, all the people leading people astray, all the people promoting a false gospel. Like, it has, it's got consequences. And then let's jump in, Phineas, man. I mean, here's this guy, and I'm telling you, yep, he is a rebel. He ain't like no priest I ever saw when I was a kid. Like, this guy, he's bulging, man. This guy is strong. This guy is fierce. This guy is rugged. This guy is rough. And look what he does Jump in with me at verse 7. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, and the son of Aaron, the priest, 
So he gives his background, his heritage, and that's really important. He's going to do it twice to remind us Aaron was Moses' brother. Aaron was the guy who, what, he was the priesthood. He had his own problems with ungodliness. Anyone remember um, that uh, um, golden calf? This is his grandson, and he's a priest too. And he heard the story, I guarantee. And, and so what's he do? I, I mean, I can't even believe this. It says he took a spear in his hand and he went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Be good to take the kids up to the children's ministry if they're here. But, but in all seriousness, like, what? Yeah, he took it in his own hands. And, and ungodliness has consequences. Here we see their immediate physical consequences. Sometimes their immediate physical consequences to us, theirs would resulted in death. Sometimes our bad choices result in the loss of life for, for you or for someone else. Sometimes our bad choices, they bring consequences that are what? The death of an opportunity. Sometimes our consequences, they bring the death of a dream or a passion a death of a relationship. A marriage ends in divorce because of those bad choices. I, like, I gotta be honest with you, I, I, I pick this, I do this planning stuff and I plan this series out, oh, let's take a look at Phineas. That's gonna be great in this Unsung Heroes. Like last Monday, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> I, I almost bailed on it. I'm like, I don't wanna do this. But I don't want to bail on God's word because God doesn't bail on us because he has truth for us today from his word. That's a great time to say amen. And so I bet you you haven't heard a message on this passage in your church in a long time. <laughs> Phineas, consequence. Now I'm not saying this. Please don't misunderstand me. You got to understand the context. So do you know who he put the spear through? Like, imagine for a moment, again, cover the kids' ears. Imagine for a moment we get done. Did we have some awesome worship today? Yes, sir. I mean, we got just, we're, we're praising the Lord. People are praying. Imagine after that, and as crazy as this sounds, imagine somebody coming up front here, running up from this side and this side, and somebody fornicating right here in the, at the altar. That, that's what's going on. Like, that's the passage. And, and then, you know, Steve and I and, it, we're, and, and Craig, we're, what are we doing? What, 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 what do we do? Like, like, that's what's going on. Read between the lines. It's called ungodliness, man. It's everywhere. And all you got to do is pick up your phone and go to a news app. And all you got to do is drive downtown Chicago and you hear these statistics and this and that. Ungodliness is prevalent in our society. Ungodliness, people don't realize it brings consequences now and forever. And so I'm not telling you to go grab a spear or get your gun. He was a spear card-carrying guy. <laughs> I don't know what kind of background they check. See, they, have, they have those spears. <laughs> but, but he did it, man. And, and he took care of it. And I'm not saying that you should do that with your neighbor. I'm not saying that you should do that with somebody here at church. But I am asking this. Do you have a zeal for holiness like he did? Yes, sir. 
I think that's the unsung message in the church. Do you have a zeal for holiness in our day of grace? And I am all about grace. But you can't properly understand grace if you don't properly understand sin. And, and, and grace is what covers. Holiness is the unforgotten message, man. Holiness is a mirage in the church. In the day and age that we're living in, where we understand grace, my heart grieves because it's given, it's opened the door to license. And, and license, man, it's, it, it brings consequences. Oh, God will forgive. Yeah, right, he will, I know. But is that what's best? And he's concerned about your growth. And so I read a book that I, 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 I didn't get up to my office. I was talking to people in the lobby and greeting people. I, I wanted to bring down this book. It's by R.C. Ryle. And I, this book changed me, man. There's some parts that have marked me in my life, and I read this book over and over. It's a big one. And I only give the classics here. You know this. But it's called Holiness. And if you're a man in this place leading anything or anyone, your family, this is a book you ought to read. If you're a woman in this place and you are leading a lot and doing much, you ought to read it too. Just said it like that so that everybody would read but that the guys would start. This is a quote from this guy. J.C. Ryle, he says, Holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God according as we find his mind described in Scripture. It's the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, hating what God hates, loving what God loves, and measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. That that's holiness. And, and that's what Phineas was about. And, and some of us more, we love our sin more than we love our savior. I've heard people say that. But have you gotten before the Lord recently and asked him? More bad news. Just a great Sunday to come to church. If you haven't tuned out yet offline, please join me and take a look at some more verses. You can't leave here. The ushers are locking the doors right now. Ungodliness, it's going to be judged by God. Like this is the part where if this isn't bringing a tear to your eye yet, this message then you have an improper view of what I believe and what I've gotten into ministry for and what we're about. I don't want the judgment of God to come quickly because I want to see more people saved. I want to see more people sanctified. That means growing in Christ. Like That's what I'm about. I'm about, about giving messages and going doing ministry. I, I, I'm about God's word. And God's people and holiness for each and every person because judgment's coming. And, and so this is the thing. You gotta, you gotta look at the details when you're reading a passage like this. And let me draw your attention to the end of verse eight and the beginning of verse nine. And then it unlocks the key. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. And look what it says in verse 9. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. So there still came judgment. So 24,000 people died that day. Like, this isn't a small incident. 
The Apostle Paul, he mentions this same incident in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He's like, he uses it as a negative example. Do not be like them because God's judgment's coming. One thing to talk about consequences, the next thing to talk about judgment eternally. That, that's what he's talking about. And so the backdrop of this passage, let me give you a quick run through. Maybe you got a study Bible, you could see it for yourself. But it's, it's, it's you know, sitting in between Numbers 22 and Numbers 25. Got to understand the context. There's this bad prophet, or excuse me, a good prophet that goes bad. Balaam. And, and so he's a good prophet and he goes bad because of King of Moab, Balak. And, and so he, he, the king of Moab wants him to pronounce judgment upon Israel and, and be bad for them, and he doesn't. He blesses them. And, and then, then, then he turns bad by, by he just does this, he goes awful and he goes evil on the people and, and he allows all this to happen and he gives it, it's okay. Uh, what would be that stuff? All the immorality. It's okay, do whatever you want. And, and so that's the backdrop of the passage. And, and what's happening now is God's judgment came. And God's judgment will come. And, and again, sorry if you're visiting. Kind of. It's our responsibility. Revelation chapter 20 it says that judgment's coming. Like there's internal consequences if you don't take care of this stuff. And, and so that's the passage. And, and, but the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, for it is appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. Now understand this passage. I learned it when I was a new believer at age 27, just came to Christ. For it is is appointed for man to die once, then comes judgment. That means there's no soul sleep. That means there's no reincarnation. That means there's no second chance when it comes to godliness. That means there's no second chance when it comes to grace. Like, the, there is no second chance. This is all we got. And, and so, you know, contrary to some, what some pastors or preachers or even priests might say, some religious people, there is none of those things. Judgment is coming. That's what the Bible teaches. Great message, Pastor. That's the bad news. Anybody up for some good news? Yeah, I am too. Thankful to be done with this part of the message. Got done with it in quicker than I thought, which was good. Three things. Let's put them up on the board. Please write this down. Godliness... Godliness is pleasing to the Lord. Can we praise him? He, he wants his people to respond. And so godliness is pleasing to the Lord. Let's pick up the passage and do the hard work of understanding the totality of the Bible. And so it says in verse 10, And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest. And it's interesting, he talks about his background. And some of us sitting here today, you have a spiritual background that people have been praying for you, that you have a history and legacy. I mean, that's awesome. Some are like me. It's like you're starting the legacy or at least trying. And, and we're hoping that, 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 that oh, yeah, that, that's when it started. And 
But legacy is so important. And so God mentions the legacy. And, and then he says this, he says, Phineas has turned his back on my wrath from the people of Israel and that he was jealous, underline that word, for my jealousy. So I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. So here we see grace in the Old Testament because it's always there in the midst of judgment. But jealousy isn't like bad jealousy, like, hey, I'm, I'm jealous of you know, your car. You're jealous of your neighbor's new snowblower. <laughs> Boy, that'd be nice to have one of those, wouldn't it? My wife bought me one for Christmas. And so literally, I just go out there with it and say, look. But no, it's not that kind of jealousy. It's a good kind of jealousy. It's about being jealous for goodness. It's about jealous for godliness. And that's what Phineas was. He was jealous for the godliness of the people of God. He was jealous for their holiness. He was jealous for their completeness. He was jealous for their good. So are you jealous for God's goodness for our church? Are you jealous for God's goodness and holiness for our people? Are you jealous for God's goodness for your family, for your kids, for your neighbor, for that person who is so far from Christ? That they're, ne they're never going to turn that person. Are you kidding me? I was that person. Are you jealous for the gospel to go forth? That's the story of Phineas. And so I'm jealous for my kids and for my wife and for each of you. And I'm so proud when I see us turning and doing things that are pleasing to God. Parent of three girls, you know that. I've told you that before. I got three wonderful girls. I remember um, when one of them wasn't so wonderful. It was middle school. Pretty much none of them are wonderful in middle school. But she got in trouble with her teacher for passing notes. And, and she was kind of devastated. And this is just a lesson. I got three girls, and please, do not try to guess which one. That's been going on in the church for years. And I'm not going to tell you the name because the guilty shall remain nameless. And, and don't, you know, run up and, and, and everything. But that this is the email that she wrote. I've been waiting for a few years to read this. This is the email she wrote to her teacher. Dear Mrs. K, first of all, I'd like to apologize for writing that note during class. I realize it's probably very hard to forget those words, and it's probably hard to think of me as the same person you once did. I understand, but I still would like to ask for your forgiveness that maybe I could start with a clean slate with you. Also, I hope you would know that I truly didn't mean what I wrote. Like you thought before, I do enjoy the class. It's actually one of the few classes where you get to speak your thoughts. I also enjoy having you as a teacher. Reading has started to be a lot more interesting to me this year. But reading and writing is not the only thing I like about having you as my teacher. I think you're a good teacher because of your personality. I feel that it's easier to ask questions and to share thoughts with you. And by sharing personal experience, it's easier for the class to do the same. I overall love you, like you because you're really nice and you deal with things without being the bad guy. Even though stupid students like myself, 
trying to put you in that position just to act cool. I hope this email will help you think of me in the same way as you did before. Sincerely, not going to tell you. It was actually one of Craig's kids, honestly. <laughs> the Bible says there's no greater joy for a father than to see his children walking in the truth. And that girl has grown to be a young woman who is walking in truth. And that's my heart for every single person in this church. That's my heart for my family. That, that's the heart of Phineas. And so godliness is pleasing. Godliness next, godliness is possible. Because honestly, we're dirty, rotten sinners. And, and it's like, we don't really, we're not that good, man. You're, you're, way, you're not as good as you think you are. Oh, you can measure yourself against your neighbor. Oh, you can measure yourself against your friend. Measure yourself to Jesus, the perfect one. And, and that's when it all kind of falls apart. And so it, it's pleasing. It's, it's possible. Like we can achieve godliness, not in and of ourselves, but through Christ and through God. Look what it says next. This is an interesting phrase now. It says in verse 12, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of God. So verse 12 says he gives them the covenant of peace and that will lead to the perpetual priesthood. And then don't miss it, underline the word atonement for the people of Israel. That's the Phineas story. And so atonement, will come back to that. But, but what, what is happening here is that He's zealous for good. And then there's this covenant of peace. It's not some additional covenant. It's an enhancement of the covenants. Old Testament, coming fast, theology. Old Testament was the old covenant which required for forgiveness that a lamb, a goat, something of your possession, something that was expensive, something that cost you something would have to die for you to be forgiven. And so that was the priesthood, and that was the old sacrificial system. It cost you. It cost me. I had to bring the goat. I had to bring the lamb. I had to give the sacrifice to the priest. And so you kind of get tired of doing that for doing the same old stupid stuff. And so that's the motivation that I, I just want to be, I don't want to be better. I don't want to lose another lamb. It, it, it cost. And Hebrews says that the shedding of blood Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So we're unholy, we're ungodly, we need forgiveness. That's the old covenant, the new covenant. We have a savior. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says that he is the lamb of God. Can't believe how many times I went to church and they said lamb of God and I didn't understand the Old Testament and the New Testament and the forgiveness that was for me. And, and so New Testament once and for all sacrifice. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So you can have forgiveness, forgiveness of sin. It's possible because of Jesus. It's possible because of what he's done. All we need to do is claim it for ourselves. So the covenant of peace is this perpetual priesthood that was given that there was a priest and that Jesus came 
And, and this, is the, this is the part to put your thinking caps on for a moment. So some commentators would say, people who understand the Bible greater than I do, they would look at that word atonement and they would say, just as Jesus atoned for our sin and he was pierced, the Bible says, pierced, pierced, pierced. He was pierced for our sin. His body was pierced and he became sin on our behalf. So he's sin on the cross. And he made atonement for you and me. And so Phineas, he took a spear just like Jesus got pierced with the spear. And, and, and what did he do? He pierced the sin. And that's why it says he made atonement for the people of Israel. And the plague was stopped. Phineas did that. And God's like. So. It's pleasing, godliness is. That's zeal for holiness and righteousness. It's possible because of Jesus. How do we get it? Well, coming at you quick, three C words. All from 1 John chapter 1 and chapter 2. Three C words. This is what we can do with sin. Two of them are good. One of them is bad. The first thing we can do with sin is we can conceal it. And that's what it says in 1 John chapter 1, 8. If, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This is the capacity to sin. This is the sin nature. Say, I got it. We all do. We just hide it real well. I'm hiding mine now. What do you mean? I have it. I got sin nature. Don't look at me. You do it too. We, we, we conceal it. But understand this. This is the nature of sin. This is that all of us have it. We've all been born with it. What are we to do with it? Well, we got to confess. And that's what 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just, faithful and true, to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why I put it in red. Because confession says that I'm going to say the same thing about this as God does. And I'm going to name it. It's his biblical name. And I'm going to confess. And then and only then can we do the third C, which is ignored in the church. It has to do with holiness. It has to do with grace. Is we can conquer the sin. You say, where's that in the Bible? Well, how about 1 John chapter 2, verse 1? It says this, that my little children, I'm writing these things that you may not sin. He's not saying you don't have the nature anymore. He's saying you may not sin, that individual thing, that thing that you're stuck in. That th He's saying you don't have to do it. I want to give you help. I want to give you strength. But then, listen, this is the part. This is why we're doing communion after this message. But then this is the greatest truth in the world. But if you do, but I don't want you to. But, but if you do, you have an advocate, his name is Jesus. And he's always there. And his arms are open wide. And he's Jesus Christ the righteous. And he forgives you of your sin. But he can give you the strength to overcome it. That, that's the New Testament. That's why we come to church. 
Because we need, we need communion. We need grace. But this is what happens. Just to provide levity for this message, because it's a difficult one. This is what happens to us. We're kind of like this. Let me show you this video. We're kind of like sheep, and Jesus helps us get out. And then all of a sudden, we're out free. We're running free. Jesus helped us. Now look. Did you see that? That, 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 that's you. That, that's me. We're all like sheep. We go astray. We jump in the same hole. And, and, and so what do we need? We need forgiveness. And what do we need? We need each other. Because godliness is pleasing to the Lord. And godliness is possible. And thirdly, godliness requires something of you. It requires a lot. It requires surrender. And, and so surrender is a part of godliness that we need. And I taught on this before. Okay, so let me give you the, the look at verses 14 and 15. I don't, I don't want to d- dive in. So it names the two people who were doing the act in front of the church. Forever, man. Like, that's great. And so, so that's what happens. They didn't surrender. I want you to surrender. Jesus said it best. And nowhere, I've taught on this before, nowhere in the Bible does it say, recommit yourself to me, Jesus said. And I know what that means. Please, I understand what you mean by that. And I've done it myself and used that terminology. But the Bible doesn't say recommit to God or recommit to Jesus. It says surrender. And so we got to surrender more of ourselves. A couple weeks ago, I shared this story about how I like to eat, when I was a kid, out of plates that were partitioned because I don't like my food to touch. And then I said, I would still do it as an adult if there was plates like that. And they came flooding in. (laughs) So I'm selling these, actually, because I've got quite a bit. And so people are sending me partition plates. And the worst thing about this, Jody's laughing and serving me each night in there. <laughs> and so I got my potatoes, I got some vegetable. It's actually helping me with my portion size, so I just want to thank you. There's more benefits here. That's what we do with our lives, is we compartmentalize our jobs. We compartmentalize our relationships, our friendships, our passions, and our hobbies. We compartmentalize church. We we compartmentalize our finances. And Jesus is like, surrender. He's like, surrender all of it. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. They're already coming. It's time in our church to take communion together. I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand. And so I'm going to ask you to respond. If you're new with us, communion is an opportunity for us to surrender ourselves. For some, maybe even online, you're surrendering yourself for the first time is you're going to make a decision to follow Jesus. Because the godliness that you want is eluding you and it requires a personal choice and a decision to move forward. And grace is available. All we need to do is admit that we're sinners and believe that Jesus Christ died for us. 
We need to do those three C's. Not conceal, but confess so that we can conquer. And so I'm going to ask you in a minute to respond. This is your time now. This is the best time. And so there's stations all over. And so the idea is not to separate our lives. The idea is to do this, to, to, to surrender more and more of myself to Jesus. So the question I have for you as you respond, what do you need to surrender for godliness? And it could be a good thing that's become a bad thing because it crowds out the best thing. It could be a bad thing like we see in the text that just needs to go. But what is it? Because Jesus died for you. And so the bread, when you come forward, not a mad rush, but just this is a time of examination, that you would grab the elements and you're going to take them by yourself. These are the instructions. As you feel led, and, and the bread represents the body that was broken for you, the cup represents the blood that was shed so that you could be pleasing to God so that godliness could be possible. And so as you're holding them, before you take them, and this is for those who would say they are Christians and who have made a decision to surrender themselves to Jesus, if you haven't done that yet, what better time? Do it today. Forgiveness is here. But before all of us take those elements, I just want you to hold the bread and the cup, and I want you to ask the Lord, this question in a prayerful mindset, Lord, what do you want me to surrender? And I want you to listen because I believe, I'm naive enough to believe that God still speaks. Do you trust me? And he'll speak to you and he will ask you to surrender something. Maybe for some, it's something we've had and we haven't. Maybe it's something we have and we need to again. Maybe it's something new. Father, I pray for your people to respond, and I pray that in Jesus' name.